Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up. Welcome to this week's Monday episode where you've got me, just me, and we are going to be talking about a crucial part of Scale Up. In fact, lots of people who coach, mentor in this space, they focus on here first. And there is a good reason for that. I tend to think it's a little bit too simplistic to go here first. I think you need to start with vision, mission, and kind of what the end game is. But very quickly after that, you need to look at the foundations of a business. And those foundations are underpinned by three things. People, the processes that those people undertake, and automation, sometimes called systems, sometimes called technology, sometimes strangely called the golden triangle (laughs) when you get into you know, the world of Accenture and some of the bigger consultancy firms, but it is crucial. So people, processes, automation is what I consider to be one of the foundations that a business needs to have absolutely known, dialed in, thought through, conceived, implemented, the whole gambit before you start getting into the really strategic things, the stuff that I talk about all the time, the partnerships, the acquisitions, the scale to exit stuff. In fact, If I go through very quickly the methodology that I teach, this is underpinned, if you like, by the second principle of that methodology. So the methodology I teach is called scale to sale, how you can scale your business quickly to that life-changing exit that I talk about all the time. And there are five key components of that. Okay, so the first one is clear end game. So starting with the end in mind, being clear about what you're building towards, what I call your freedom number, your get rich once number and the plan of how you're going to achieve that okay that's the first that's the first principle the second is optimizing foundations and that is where people processes and automation sits it's also where structuring capital and looking at how you're going to invest in your business sits okay once you've got that in place that's when you can go into the scale fast and build value phase so that's the organic growth it's dialing in your sales and marketing your conversion and then it's adding acquisitions, partnerships, joint ventures, the stuff that's going to scale you quickly, but it's also going to build value quickly. And I can't impress on you enough how critical that is. Once you've got that in place, you want to profit up. So that's the fourth phase of what I teach. And that's where we want to consolidate everything that you've put together. So if you've bought two or three companies to add to your business, then we want to be able to strip back and we want to maximize efficiency and profit because a lot of the value that's going to be attributed to your end game is going to come from the value that you create first and what you extrapolate and strip back in the business so that it runs like that machine that I talk about. The final phase is the life-changing exit. It's owning that process. It's building the leadership team that's going to run the business when you step away. It's building your deal team, the people that are going to be around you when you take your business to that exit. It's getting in front of the process and leading it proactively versus being reactive and someone coming to you. So that that sort of five-step methodology, what I call scale to sale, is the secret playbook of private equity. It is 100% the key principles that I learned and then applied in my decade working in that amazing industry. But today's episode, just to, to kind of get into it, as I said, I want to go into one of the really key components that sits in that, which is this people, processes, and automation. And I want you to understand that you have to have thought this through before you start getting really excited about the other stuff. So 
again, a lot of the inspiration for these episodes comes from people reaching out to me and and giving me feedback on what I'm doing. And they're, they're, everyone's so excited about acquisitions right now. We get calls literally daily, heaps of calls, people saying we want to do acquisitions, we want to scale by acquisition. Cool, listen, 100% is what you should be doing. If you've got to a certain level of scale, it's going to be the, the most important thing you do. But please, please, please do not do acquisitions from poor foundations, okay? Really spend the time on what I'm going to cover today in the next sort of 10, 15 minutes or so, so that you can be set up to then, you know, come into the stuff that I do and do it successfully. That's what I want for you, okay? So let's get into it. So a little bit of background of where did this come from, the Golden Triangle? Well, it goes back to the 1960s, actually, where there was a framework, and it was actually called the the People, Process, and Technology Framework, and it was effectively built by a business management expert called Howard, uh, sorry, Harold Levitt, and he came up with this model really to start to create change in an organization where there wasn't change happening. So the whole idea was that people were not necessarily thinking about where technology could make a play in making things simpler, easier, more efficient. So what he did is he created this thing called Levitt's Diamond Model. It's worth a Google just so you can get an understanding of the context, where at the center of that model, he had change. And then around that, he had people, the structure of the organization, the tasks of what we would call the processes now, and then the implementation of technology. The piece that I think he missed out, and back in the 60s, maybe it wasn't such a big thing, is he didn't talk enough really about culture and values and behaviors. And that only really came in a little bit later when people really understood that a lot of things get done based on those myths and rituals in a business. And it's not just about the process or the systems that enable that. Of course, it's all interrelated. But when this kicked off, it was really about understanding the role of technology. And if you go back to the 1960s and 70s versus where we are today, totally different game. But, you know, we can see the advancement of technology and what it has done on business. But the reason I give you that context is I want you to understand how you can apply this if you haven't done so in your business. So let's break this down. So people, the people part of that triangle, is the most important thing. Obviously, the people are the, are the resources, if you like, the capability that does the work. And my view is, you know, people say what comes first, process or people. And, and there's a massive debate in this kind of world that I'm in where people say, oh, the process has to be written down and process is the most important thing. And if someone leaves the business or gets hit by a bus, <laughs> that's saying, you know, you can just pull out this piece of paper and the process, process documents it. Now, listen, I, I, yeah, of course, right? Of course, that's true. But if you haven't got someone to write the process, if you haven't got someone who's engaged enough in the business in the first place, it's not going to happen regardless, right? The, the issue with it, and I understand where the process people come from, is they say, well, you know, people are always busy. They haven't got enough time to, to think about things in that way. And, you know, the process part of the triangle needs to be able to dictate what gets done. I agree with that. But if you haven't got you know, the right people in the right seats engage behind the mission, the vision of your business. My experience of that, nothing, no, no amount of process is going to change that. And, and remember, I've worked across multiple industries, different sectors. I've been across manufacturing, retail, real estate, education, media. And 
you know, the, the one thing that defines an amazing business, and if you think about it from, you know, businesses that raise investment, start up all the way through to business that's ex- businesses that exit for the highest value are the ones where they've got great people, right? great people running those businesses and great people all the way through the organizations. Okay. So before I move on to process, I just want to give you a very, very quick strategy for how do you, how do you build out the people part in your business? Well, I like to start with first and foremost, what are the key roles in the business that I need? You know, what are the leadership roles? What are the management roles? What are the the process roles, the things that need to be done? In a lot of businesses I work with, I like to simplify the structures. So I often say that every business needs a way of attracting clients. Okay, it needs a system around that. It needs a system for converting clients. It needs a system for delivering to clients or customers. You can interchange the word. And it needs a system for the economics and the metrics, the way you join everything up and you measure, okay? So that's the starting point. And then you want to think, okay, well, what are the right capabilities that are needed within each of those systems? And then you start to build out organizational design from that job descriptions, role profiles, etc. But here's a quick tip. So whenever I hire for my businesses, I follow this template. And the template is I, I obviously write a very, very brief but descriptive role profile, usually on a page. And I talk about the outcomes and key results that I want for the role. And ideally, the attributes and behaviors and sometimes the values of the person that I think would be a good fit for the role. So I don't believe in massive streams of paper, massive role profiles. A, no one reads them, and B, you're just making something too complex. What's more important is the process of how you find, you know, attract someone into your organization and then how you hire them. So what I do is this. So I put an ad out somewhere. Um, I go to my network as well, but I do follow a process. Don't be the person, (laughs) the leader in a business that just hires someone because you like them or someone else likes them. And then you go, oh, they're going to fit, right? I've seen so many businesses in startup to scale up, hire the person they like without going through a process and end up making a mistake. And that mistake can push the business backwards six months, even more. So what I do is once someone applies, and if I put a role out there in some of my companies, you know, I'll get hundreds of applications. I ask everyone to do a very quick two-minute video. So it's part of the application process. So you apply, and that two-minute video really answers only two questions. What is it about this role in this company that excites you? In other words, why do you want to be here? The second thing I ask is what is it that you can do to really you know, own this role and take the company forward? Okay, so let me be explicit again. What is it about this company that you want? What is it that excites you about this this role in the company, you know, and the business? And what can you do? What are you bringing to the table? Now, here's the important piece. I'm not using that two-minute video necessarily as any judgment to say if someone is the best person for the role. I'm asking someone to commit to doing something to show that they are prepared to do what it takes. So it's more about who they are as a person as opposed to what they say. I'm not really that interested in what they say. If they're good, I'm going to then interview them properly. 
But what I am interested in, are they prepared to take action on what is a very simple task that a lot of people make harder than what it is? Okay, so you got it? The second thing I do, and I've only really applied this since my private equity days, I didn't used to do this, and I wish I had done it sooner, is I put people through a profiling. We use DISC profiles, and it's worth Googling um, to see it's a D-I-S-C, DISC, and it's worth you know having a look at different types of profiling things that could be a fit for your business. But what you're really looking for is the personality traits, the, the things that people really love to do that fit specifically the attributes in the job description the role profile that you're creating. Okay, so if you've got someone who loves detail, absolutely is fixated by by processes and all the stuff, and and they come in to do an operations role where detail matters, you've got a fit. If you've got a really creative person who can't stand detail, all they want to do is think big picture and think about innovation, and they're applying for an ops role, again, to use that example, then that's not going to work. And I've seen many businesses do that in fact, it used to be called back in my media days, don't let the creative run the agency, bit of a joke. But the idea was you want people to play in the lane of their own zone of genius. Okay, and a way of doing that is to use some form of profiling as part of it. Now, what normally happens, once I've done the video, you know, so there's a role profile, people apply, there's the video, lots of people don't do the video, it surprises the hell out of me. Then we do the profiling. We might get down to, you know, maybe somewhere between six to 10 really good applicants from that process. We then break it down to three to four, no more than that. And then I will interview or my, my, my team, myself will interview those roles, depending on where that role sits in the organization. Okay, simple process, but just adding those couple of ideas, try it for your next hire can make a massive, massive difference. Okay. So let's move on. <laughs> got distracted there, but I want to help you with that because a lot of people, you know, make mistakes around it. The next part is process. So to be to clear what this is, let's define it, right? A process is a series of actions or steps that need to happen in order to achieve a particular goal or outcome. Okay. My view is that people, even though I said beforehand, people are the most important part of this, they are ineffective without processes in place to support their decisions. Okay, I'm going to say that again. People can be ineffective without processes in place to support their decisions. So what you want to be thinking about here is some steps that need to be put in place so they can understand exactly how process helps. So for example, make sure people know how they fit into the workflow of a bigger set of actions. Identify the key steps that they need to take. Make sure that people the people who are actually doing the work receive proper training on these processes. They understand what great looks like and also what is acceptable within that range. Make sure that there are proper instructions around, you know, what is what is needed to happen to make their job or their role in the organization successful. Have a system for review in place before beginning any new process and consider how you will measure the success of that process thereby measuring the success of the individual who is applying that process, okay? What <laughs> a lot of people do is that they don't spend enough time creating these kind of almost statements of work and they expect someone to go in there and, and just be able to hit the ground running. Now, that can work when you have experienced leaders coming in in higher level roles in an organization. It's the whole bring people in, who are very experienced and tell them what to do is, is the, 
you know, definition of stupidity. I think Steve Jobs said that, and there's truth to that to some extent. But even high-level leaders need to understand the way you do something, okay? So the way I like to do this, again, similar to how I talked about in recruitment, is I have the, the role profile, job description. I have the key measures and results of a role, and I make sure that people understand exactly what that looks like through their own sort of, let's call it, performance management process. So one of the things I get people to do is set their own goals within the framework and the outcome of what we're looking to achieve holistically in a business. Okay, so to repeat that more simply, if the business needs to hit this amount of revenue in the year, this amount of profit, what is the importance of that bigger outcome on the person and the role that is you know going to be measured against so for example if it's a salesperson it's easy you know an individual salesperson needs to hit this amount of revenue which then ladders up to the bigger role but the same thing can be true across anything so for example if i've got a hr leader and their big thing is not letting people leave we want we want to have higher levels of, of, of people staying within the organization, reducing churn, then they would have metrics around that. So we need to understand the goal and then the processes are supported around that goal, okay? Every person in your organization should have a very, very clear set of instructions, goals, outcomes, and processes that they operate with, okay? Now, what you don't want to do is make it so locked down in, in, in quite a lot of roles so that they they feel like they are stumped. They can't make decisions. They can't be creative. So the way I try to, to think about this is create the processes that allow people to understand what the expectation is, but not to the point where you are stifling that creativity. Okay? So what I often say is the outcome is this, the process is this, how you operate within those two things is up to you. And that's where you start to allow that more innovative thinking and action coming into your business, okay? And then the last part, right, is technology and as we would call it, automation. So despite, you know, all of the things that people and process can do, it can't do everything as efficiently as embedding technology driving automation, okay? Technology by itself will not make existing problems go away without people and process around to support it, right? So you've got to understand that piece. But at the same time, if something can be improved, sped up, made more efficient because the system, the technology, the automation works more effectively with it, then we should look to apply that, okay? Because it's what's going to be able to transform the organization. So let me let me give you some examples of where technology needs to be played in. So if you see across the business that tasks are not being completed quickly enough, you need to pay attention to the interaction of process and technology and attempt to automate more. If you are not efficient enough, certainly maybe versus competitors, you need to look at the interaction of people and processes and see what may be failing to scale. If you are not creating new levels of value, you've got to see where people and technology interact and find out where you are failing to innovate. Okay, so the way to think of these three things is that they are all interrelated. And when I go into a business to either evaluate it for acquisition or to build something valuable to exit, I'm always looking at the interplay between this people, process, and automation, not to replace people and process with technology, but to use the technology to enable a greater level of efficiency and value. Okay? Now, a lot of people talk about this and they make it super, super confusing. 
And I appreciate that I have gone into layers of detail today, which you might be thinking, oh God, this is really hard. It's not really hard, okay? What you have to do here, very, very simply, is start, as I said, make sure that you understand the core things that your business needs to do. I gave you four at the very beginning. Client attraction, conversion, delivery, metrics, and align with that the economics, okay? Every business needs those four elements regardless of what business they are. You then need to look at the structures that need to sit within those systems. What sort of people? What sort of experience? What sort of capability? What sort of attributes and behaviors? You need to define then the processes that are underpinned by those people. Okay, people come first. Then you need to define the processes around that. And then once you've got that established, you need to look at the interplay between the people and the processes and looking to bring technology to make the process easier and more efficient. And as you start to build that out and you continually iterate and optimize, then you'll start to drive greater levels of profit and therefore value in your business. One of the things I always do is I have you know someone in my business, an ops person usually, because it usually sits under operations, a COO or otherwise, you know, chief operating officer, and they are constantly looking at this stuff. They partner up with my finance manager or my CFO, my chief financial officer, to be looking at where we can drive that. So, you know, to go back to what I said with the methodology and to scale up your business when we get ready for that exit, the reason why my clients exit for life-changing money is because they have done all this stuff. They've done the work through the scale-up, which is going to get them to the most favorable end game possible. Okay? So lots in this episode, 20-odd minutes of me rambling, but take away the points that are relevant to you. It might just be the way you recruit. It might be the idea of writing down process. It might be the idea of you know thinking about where you can take out and you know change things with technology. doesn't matter. The key thing is to start, and I promise you that you will start to get to a pretty amazing place if you understand how this can absolutely support you and what you're trying to achieve. So there we have it, people, processes, and automation. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you've enjoyed the show just as much as I've enjoyed creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me, it helps the show, plus it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything that you heard in today's show, to find out how you can join our community on Facebook, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now.